You're listening to Win Win, an entrepreneurial community with your host, Ben Wolf. And welcome to Win Win, an entrepreneurial community. As always, I'm your host, Ben Wolf, and we're going to learn from our guest today how to get an experienced CMO chief marketing officer for a third of the cost using a fractional CMO. Uh, as always, I ask everybody as a favor to me, as a favor to yourself, and as a favor to others out there, other entrepreneurs, business owners, to make sure to subscribe wherever it is that you are listening to this or watching this. Leave a review. If it's YouTube, click on that little bell also so you get all the notifications. Uh, and, uh, and that way you get the content we're sharing here. You know, again, the goal is to really share things. And the theme of this show really is to share information and knowledge that will be of immediate use and can be of immediate use to business owners or leaders in, in small and mid-sized businesses, entrepreneurial businesses, uh, wherever they may be in whatever industry. So as a theme here, and you'll make that content more available to yourself and you'll make, you know, if you leave a review and not just follow, also uh, make the content more available to other people in the future also come up higher in search results. So I encourage everybody to do that. And with that, I wanna get into introducing the guest today uh, he is a fractional chief marketing officer through his company, Marketing Trail Guide. Uh, he is a story, uh, story brand certified guide. Uh, he has spent years as a technical expert and then a marketing leader at multiple organizations. You can find out about more about him at his website, marketingtrailguide.com. And with that, I give you Kevin Krushevich. Welcome, Kevin. Thanks, Ben. Appreciate the invitation to be here. My pleasure, and I'm glad, glad to be in touch with you. And uh, so I'm going to ask you the question I ask everybody at the beginning of the show, which is to give us a little context, maybe stuff that's not reflected directly in your LinkedIn profile, but like, you know, who are you? How'd you get to, you know, how'd you get to where you are now? And, and you know, speaking about the, the kind of stuff that we're going to cover today. Yeah, uh, well, just on a personal note, uh, I'm a family man, uh, married, going on 18 years here, have a couple of teenage boys. Uh, that's been interesting, um, <laughs> I'll say the least. Uh, and uh, my wife and I were, were high school sweethearts, so um, enjoying, enjoying that relationship. Uh, we're here in Orange County, California. Uh, I've been in the tech SaaS software scene for a while. Um, inevitably, you run into startups uh, or people throughout various parts of the life cycle of a business. Um, so I've been around a while doing... Um, working for startups, working for large companies like Intel, um, doing product marketing initially, um, which has a technical sort of product focus aspect mm -hmm. to it. Um, but then just building content, right? So if you need to explain the value of a piece of software or a product, um, you, you quickly realize after the you know, 50th demo, uh, man, I should probably record some of this stuff and create some some training uh, and some collateral and, uh, and, and maximize uh, the economies of scale that comes along with that. So mm -hmm. got into more product management, um, product roadmap, um, helping people maximize their adoption and value from a product or a piece of software, usually in a business to business kind of a context. Um, and that quickly goes into, you know, value proposition. So, what is this thing? What's this product? And how does it help me? How does it help me survive and thrive? Um, and I think for a lot of people, there's a technical barrier. And historically speaking, maybe technical products um, that have a technical proposition uh, overwhelms people that don't have that 
natural instinct or that that um, you know immediate competency. And so mm. you get a lot of tech speak, and that can overwhelm people. Um, and that's when um, I really I think got got good at um, bringing bringing the cookies lower on the shelf, uh, so that uh, the business case for a piece of software is just very clear. That's actually what got me into StoryBrand. Um, StoryBrand mm. has a great paradigm for clarifying a message around, you know, what is this thing and, and why should I even care about it? Right. That, that, and that's a perfect context for, for the conversation now. And, and I, I think that another thing that would give people more context for what we're talking about now is, you know, for those of you watching the YouTube version of this, there are, you know, uh, Kevin's logo in the background behind him is an image of a, of a mountain and his company name is Marketing Trail Guide. So how did you choose that imagery? Like, what, what, is that, what does that tell us? Why'd you make that choice? Yeah, so I mean, every business owner, entrepreneur um, is, is on a venture. It's an adventure, right? And, um, you know, aside from all the romantic notions of adventure, it's like fraught with danger. We're, we're trying to get somewhere. Um, I'm reading a, a book right now, The Lost City of Z. There was a movie that came out a couple of years ago about um, Percy Fawcett, who was one of the Royal um, Geographic Society's like preeminent explorers around the turn of the hmm. 20th century. It's, and not a zombie, it's not a zombie book? Not, it's not a zombie movie, no. He's looking right. for uh, <laughs> uh, the, this mythical city in, in the Amazonian jungle, which is you know sort of a formidable... Uh, environment. And he had this strong belief that um, that there was potentially a, a very advanced society uh, in the Amazon, which if found to be true, would contradict and cause the establishment to rethink what they understood about, stood about anthropology, sociology, the ability for civilizations to uh, advance given their uh, environmental constraints and things like that. And bringing it back to marketing, uh, he went on an adventure. He, um, and business owners do this too. They have a dream, they have a vision for something that's out there. And of course with EOS, we know that we do a great job of understanding what a one year, uh, goals and three year picture and 10 year vision are for well, a just company. To get, just to give people a context for not everybody's necessarily familiar with EOS. So, you know, EOS Kevin is referring to is the entrepreneurial operating system, a, you know, a set of tools that entrepreneurial, small and mid-sized business uh, companies in any industry use to kind of manage and organize themselves and their efforts and get clarity and then get, you know, get clarity on where they're going, exactly how they want to get there and then execute on that with discipline and accountability. Uh, so yeah, so just uh, to find that term before you, before you go on, what were you saying? Yeah, appreciate that. So business owners are after something they're on a mission, right? They've got goals. These people are people who um, are more afraid of not seizing opportunity than they are of losing something they have, right? Mm -hmm. there's, there's the upside that excites them. Um, the people who want to fulfill their potential as human beings, um, maybe even believe, yeah, maybe believe they have a calling, right? So like, it's the top of the mountain. And um, it's kind of the same spirit of adventure that I think um, pushes explorers, you know, and I mentioned, uh, Percy, um, Fawcett. uh, Fawcett and, and others, and we've got many inspiring examples. And, you know, you can think of the Elon Musks of the world now who, uh, I mean, the same thing inside of, of Elon Musk that has caused him to do what he's done from a commercial standpoint is the same thing that's driving him to Mars. 
uh, and, and, and not believing that the limits really apply to him. Uh, and so as entrepreneurs, we've got a mountain to climb. Um, we've got to gear up. Uh, and if we've never been there before, it helps to have a guide. And there's generally lots of guides along the way. Um, there's a guide that's going to get you from, you know, the airport to base camp, but then from base camp to camp one and camp two, and eventually to the summit. So for me, the analogy is we're going there together and, and I've got goals and you've got goals and we all need coaches and people in our lives that mm -hmm. can help us get over the things that keep us stuck know some things that we don't know. Um, and we call these people guides. We call them mentors. We call them, you know, in the case of mountain climbing, it's a Sherpa or something like that. Um, I happen to love um, climbing as well. So um, if you can have a guide that shows you the local areas, um, you can get to where you want to go quicker. And so mm. getting back to the story brand thing, um, most companies in their marketing tend to want to position their companies or themselves as the hero of the story and story, the framework, the structure of story is, um, is kind of actually an ancient thing. And there's some science and some art to storytelling. Um, we don't generally show up for a 90 minute marketing message unless somebody promises, uh, you know, a night or two at the timeshare for free. And then we sit through it. Right. <laughs> But we'll go to the movies and pay 10, 20 bucks or whatever it is now, depending right. if you like to the, get lecture, told a the story. lecture. Yeah, and get told a story. Um, and, and we have a pretty good idea now of what a good and a, or a not so good story is in terms of, was that well told? Did we feel engaged? You know, we talk about stories in terms of like, I was on the edge of my seat or like, oh, that was a yawner or whatever. And we're a little bit even jaded now, but um, we understand that there are ingredients it's almost like you know mixing a, a, a batch of dough or cookie dough or something like that like okay you need butter flour sugar you know and then you get to throw in some other stuff like chocolate chips or whatever um but there's common ingredients in a, in a story and most companies tend to make a mistake of positioning their brand as a hero and their customer mm -hmm. as in some kind of damsel in distress mm -hmm. well the problem with that positioning is um it, it can compete with the role of the hero. So when most entrepreneurs wake up in the morning, they're the protagonist in mm -hmm. the story. They're the main character. If somebody- The brand is the hero, it's harder to relate to. Yeah, that's right. So like I, I have my goals when I wake up and you got your goals. And, and so like I'm trying to get to something and I'm going to be shopping for products and services that, that I believe are going to help me get to where I'm trying to go not um, somebody or some brands that think that they're, you know, the best thing since sliced bread. And now I have some kind of confusion about how they're going to help me get there. So the story brand methodology and the analogy with marketing trail guide is the fact that um, a lot of companies are confused about what they should be doing with marketing. They don't have a roadmap. They don't have a blueprint. They don't have a trail map. Uh, and, uh, and yet they know they want to get over there. Right. Um, and maybe they're not familiar with the pitfalls uh, or they've fallen in a few of them and they don't mm -hmm. want to avoid them in the future, or they've had some great success and they, there's another Vista on the horizon that they want to get to. And they know that what got them here is not going to get them there. Right. 
Well, right, and so 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 that right, and so you're you're able to help them as the hero in their own story of of getting to wherever it is that they want to get to. And and one of the ways, one of the primary ways that you do that, obviously, you do your story brand work, but one of the primary ways that you do that really is by being a fractional chief marketing officer, fractional CMO. So for those who are not really familiar with that concept or how it works, like what it what is a fractional or a virtual CMO? Yeah, in short, it's a part-time, uh, generally senior level, because we're talking about chief marketing yeah. officer. It's not a, an entry-level person or a mid-level manager. It's somebody with the and depth nor, of nor experience. Nor is it an outside marketing company or consultants. Yeah, it's not an agency. Uh, and so um, as a fractional CMO, my focus is to um, identify and maturate an internal marketing practice, an internal marketing agency. And that doesn't mean you can't utilize freelancers and, and agencies where appropriate, but um, we know from EOS, from the entrepreneurial operating system, that there's a structure that needs to be in place, an accountability chart that needs to be in place, such that um, the major segments of the business have a leader that owns a number that owns an outcome and is responsible to the leadership team for that outcome. And so it's really hard to get that when that person um, is uh, an agency owner or a consultant or something like that. Mm -hmm. So you can ask five different people, what is a fractional chief marketing officer? And they're all going to give you a different flavor, different answer of what that is. So that's, it's a good question to ask uh, when you, you know, are evaluating your options pertaining to how do I get the marketing help that I need? Um, but for me, it's, it, there's a very specific uh, framework uh, that, that I, and, and when people ask me that question, what do you mean? What is a fractional chief marketing officer? It means that I am deeply embedded in the day-to-day -day life of the company and own that marketing, or in some cases, the marketing and sales seat on the leadership team, on the accountability chart, mm. and have a team of people that report to me as I report to the lead team and, and participate on the lead team. So that means by embedded, it just means, I mean, I'm, I'm there day to day, uh, not physically there, but in, in, in virtually there and in, in my presence is felt daily. So um, you don't wait for a week, uh, which, you know, you, it's not the kind of thing like on a Monday, you've got me and then the rest mm -hmm. of the week, you don't got me. Mm -hmm. um, I'm embedded such that this is a team and we, we have to make progress between now and our next meeting. <laughs> um, and so right. there's communication that happens every single day to continue to make progress towards our goal to get up that mountain. Um, right. EOS has a great structure um, and it includes a, a meeting pulse meaning uh, a, a frequency, a cadence by which we're meeting, which includes a weekly level 10 meeting uh, with a leadership team mm -hmm. and a weekly departmental meeting. So I run the departmental meetings mm -hmm. and then I participate as the functional leader in the leadership team meeting. And mm -hmm. those each are respectively 90 minutes apiece. Mm -hmm. um, there's quarterly gatherings, quarterly rock setting sessions that are part of the EOS paradigm. Uh, I'm rock setting meaning in those setting quarterly priorities, quarterly goals. That's right. Yeah. Setting, setting that 90 day picture of what the next 90 days are going to look like. 
there's quarterly conversations that happen with uh, myself kind of up the chain, but myself to the people who report to me. Conversations that we don't want to wait a whole year to have a review. We want to keep closer accounts and we want to be able to provide some real practical feedback for people on a very regular basis. Um, so there's, right. there's those quarterly conversations. It need be, it's, there's some, some interventions or, or what we call strike meetings in, in a scenario where performance is not where it needs to be. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's annual retreats where we get together once a year and define how, you know, look at how we did for the year and define our next year's goals. So um, when I say virtual or chief, fractional chief marketing officer, that's what I mean. Um, right. you're going to get different answers depending on who you ask. Right. But, it, but it, it sounds like the main thing that people want to come away with if they're considering using a tool like that of bring, bringing on a fractional CMO is that it's not a, you know, kind of project-based outsider that's, that's, uh, that's, you know, that's being brought in and supervised by someone within the company, but you really become embedded. You become really part of the leadership team. And so I think that yep. people who are looking for, they realize they need, marketing leadership, not just marketing execution, um, right. then, you know, who is involved on a regular basis, not just, again, like a, a set, you know, flat fee project. Um, right. And that's something you might want to consider. And so for people who are looking at, you know, look, look, I know I need help in marketing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, know, I know that I'm not going to get the number of qualified leads that I need to get where I want to get to without using marketing. But um, you know, there's all these things out there. There's fractional chief marketing officers that I either knew about or now know about. Um, there are marketing consultants that package themselves like they're the full package. And uh, there are, you know, there's hiring a marketing person in-house, whether it's just execution, just to do our social media or as, you know, some kind of head of marketing. Um, help me, help me understand if I'm a business owner, how do I know which one is right for me and which, like which situations call for which kind of help in marketing? Sure. Great question. And I, I would never say that a, a fractional anything is always the right choice. There is a criteria. There's a criteria by which it, it makes sense. And in other criteria, it wouldn't make sense. So a lot of companies in the, let's call it sub $5 million range, um, have had marketing and they understand a need for marketing. And so they've They've hired some marketing associates, some marketing managers. Maybe they've had this person or this firm over here do their social media. Um, this guy over there does their website. But there's no strategic leader that that um, it understands uh, all of the categories by which it, it, um, marketing maturity actually starts to come together. So um, there's lots of different uh, competencies around marketing and it's not always the ceo or the cfo or something like that that understands all those categories because that's not really their thing oftentimes you'll have a really strong in it from a sales perspective ceo maybe he or she grew up in a sales environment is just a go-getter from a prospecting and and taking people through a sales process and closing but we are now living in a digital world where um, and, and even post COVID even more so where the trade shows aren't happening. Mm-hmm. And I know companies that, um, got 90% of their leads from the handful of trade shows they did over the, right. the year, no fishbowl, no business cards, no giveaway. And now 
where are they? And so they have to undergo a digital transformation. Um, some, some customers not only have to undergo a digital transformation from a customer acquisition standpoint, but from a service delivery standpoint, that's an additional challenge where yeah. ops has to get involved and has to drive it. But from a customer acquisition standpoint, if you don't understand the levers when it comes to digital marketing and how that game is played, um, you're going to be in a really tough position. And the person that, you know, is launching your social media posts or is good with graphic design, those are all necessary skills that are part of an overall marketing practice. And those skills have to be, that have to be included. But the strategic aspect of answering the big questions like, what should we be doing in owned media what should so when, we be doing when would someone use like a fractional cmo or a full-time cmo versus a marketing consultant to help to you know yeah. help advise on that yeah so a marketing consultant is not going to own an outcome so if you just need a little tweak here and there you need some ideas or you need some strategy and then somebody internally is prepared and has the proper categories for for executing on that and running that that department and, and maturating that department, um, then that's great. You can bring a consultant to tell you what you need to know, define the strategy, and you can execute. Um, the problem is uh, there's a gap often in that scenario. Um, if you don't have that gap, um, it's a great strategy. But the gap can often be, uh, okay, so we have this great strategy. We have this great 20-page market research or uh, this is what we should be doing strategy, but we don't know how to do it because it's not our thing. Or we, we have some lower level doers and I, that's not a derogatory statement. It's just people, the people that are not at that level to be able to really drive and manage. Mm. Um, and so when you have a fractional CMO, um, this is a person that owns outcomes. This is a person who owns a certain number of, of leads or in the case of a chief revenue officer that oversees the entire marketing and sales practice oversees an outcome, uh, a revenue outcome, right? That, that begins with leads and has to end with closed deals. So um, you really have to look at the function of the person, where they're at in their maturity, uh, and can they do what we need them to do? We, we need the doers. I, in my engagements as a fractional CMO, I can't do it without doers on the team. Yeah, you're not I, doing all I, your social media posts as a, as the CMO. I'm not doing any of them. Right. <laughs> right. I'm I'm delegating and elevating that. Um, that's not my my function in that kind of an engagement. Um, the other thing is that you know I think consultants are great, uh, and I operate as a consultant as well in different scenarios. Consultants are great when you have a real short term. You just need to get over the hump. Um, you need some outside knowledge, um, but if you need somebody to own the outcome that sits on a leadership level, your choices are full-time senior level person. And, you know, in, I'm in Southern California right now. And so if you're going to hire a full-time CMO, fully burdened with benefits and all that, you're looking at 250 to $300,000 a year. Right. Okay. Not all the, not, not a lot of companies even know how to hire that person because they don't have the, the requisite, expertise, they don't even know the right questions to ask. So, mm -hmm. you know, I sometimes say it takes a marketer to hire a marketer and you might, you might, you know, catch have 22 a little bit. <laughs> sure. Um, 
And so all that to say, um, bringing in a, a fractional person that can set up shop and build a practice and build an internal maturity and has an index for tracking that mm -hmm. um, is, is a good idea. And that ultimately may terminate in that fractional person as a rock, for instance, hiring a full-time person. Right. The goal is to get, get the organization to the point where the revenue can sustain uh, right. a full-time person that truly that's a, owns that's that seat. That's an interesting point. So I was thinking more like, as, as you know, I'm a fractional integrator, which is like, you know, we talk about EOS terminology for like a fractional COO, an outsourced chief operating officer. So I do that for, for a couple of companies, for three companies. Um, you know, so it's kind of a similar thing, but you're making an interesting point. It's not just that you hire a fractional CMO when your budget can't support that 250, $250 to $300,000 person. It's not just that scenario. You're saying that that for the first month, you know, first bunch of months, you're not really going to even get the value that you could or should be getting out of that person if you brought them on on day one as your first leadership level marketing person. But right. if you start with a fractional CMO, let them build up your internal capabilities and build things up to an extent and then help you hire that full-time CMO for, for, for when he or she is able to leave uh, and end their engagement. Um, and that's what successful ending of an engagement looks like. Uh, then that, then you could, it sounds like what I'm hearing is that's a very cool concept that then you could actually get better use out of your full-time person when you do hire them. If you preface it with a couple of quarters or more of a, of a fractional CMO, that's very interesting. Well, and, and salespeople and marketing people are famously um, hard to hire from a successful standpoint. I mean, there's, there's war stories of the CEO trying to hire the right salespeople and trying to structure commission and yep. cre Same create, <laughs> you know, a draw. And then like six months later, everybody's really disappointed and then they're jaded. Uh, it's frustrating. Um, and so that's kind of what I mean by saying you kind of need a person involved that can ask the right questions. This is why companies have boards, right? This is why companies have advisors because mm -hmm. they know the right questions to ask. <clears throat> And um, you can really make a more intelligent hire in that scenario. And, you know, I, I want to ask one more question before I do. I just want to say like any examples or stories of like companies you co you've come into or you're familiar with where, you know, what it looks like when somebody hires a fractional CMO, what it was like before, what happened after anything you could offer would be great. Otherwise I can, you know, I do have one yeah. general question, but if you have any sure. stories, I think that'd be very helpful to help make this more concrete. Sure. So, I mean, every company that, that I work with is, is at a different level, a uh, different level of maturity and a different life cycle stage in terms of their, their own maturity. Some early stage startups or, or funded startups onto companies that have been around for 30 years and, um, you know, they're established, but they just can't, they've had a hard time adapting to the new reality, the new digital reality. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, I can think of uh, several stories where um, systems and infrastructure is simply not in place. And for me, I'm, I'm a systems guy. I think that's why I like EOS so much and why I like StoryBrand. These are frameworks. These are mm -hmm. processes. Uh, it's, a, it's a little machine. You put something in the front end of the machine and it goes through the conveyor belt and out comes an outcome that you want. Right. So you have to build the machine and you have to use the machine. So 
I'm thinking right now primarily of marketing automation systems and CRMs. Um, and so if a company doesn't, maybe they have Salesforce or they have HubSpot or they, they're using something like Pipedrive or you know, Microsoft Dynamics or whatever it is, but they're not, they're not really using it to the capabilities that they could or should be. Their processes aren't documented. Uh, or, and if they are, they're not followed by all. Mm -hmm. um, because there's nobody kind of, uh, overseeing the, the shop it's, it's, and, and no overseeing the entire process. So, uh, I've had a lot of success going into scenarios where there's not systems in place. There's not infrastructure in place and bringing that structure, bringing those systems. I'm a big fan of HubSpot personally and automating things that don't need to be manual. Okay. So mm -hmm. with with a system like HubSpot and, and there's others out there as well, um, where tasks that are manual take human cycles that could be devoted to sales activity instead of admin. Uh, and I know as an ops guy, you appreciate this too. Mm -hmm, uh, sure. You know, putting a, putting a workflow in place that's logic-based that triggers somebody into this workflow. And then on the other side, they've received um, a lead magnet, a nurture series of emails. They showed up to the webinar, they get one set of messaging. They, they don't show up, they get another set of messaging. Um, and they get the salesperson has three or four or five phone calls scheduled for the next four weeks to go after that person that didn't show up at the webinar because that's a warm-ish lead. They registered but didn't show up. Mm. Or they came to the webinar but didn't go, get to a discovery call or something like that. Uh, and so there's, there's just easier, better, faster ways to do things. Right. And in the early days when these systems, uh, come out, you know, you've got people who are early adopters, companies that are early adopters and they have to struggle through, they got their machete out and they're sort of trailblazing and dealing with the benefit of being a, a you know, first mover, but also the challenge of being the early adopter where they're, they're the ones finding all the bugs. Right. Now what we have in terms of marketing automation and CRM is if you're not heavily utilizing those tools, you're now a laggard. Um, you actually need to yeah. do that just to keep up because the cost of payroll. Oh yeah. Uh, don't, you know, who knows what's going to happen with payroll in October when uh, the PPP window uh, comes out where companies now are not going to have maybe the manpower uh, the people power to put a body right. on that and they have to embrace automation, but that system's not set up yet. So right. um, I a just CMO and, and I'm sure in other people, you know, like I was a fractional integrator. I'm obviously pushing for that kind of stuff too, but you're pushing to get that, to get that, get that stuff adopted. That's what you're seeing. Yeah. So a lot of success stories where, you know, a company doesn't have that system in place. Um, another story would be a company where, um, you know, they've been around for a long time. They've added products and services and, and it's sort of begin to look like a Frankenstein. Mm. It's started to begin to look like, um, disaggregated data silos where systems don't talk to each other, yeah. not a cohesive story when, you know, it's like, who, who really are we over the years? We've added all this stuff and right. now our story has gotten really muddy. And so when people come to our website, it's like the menu at, um, uh, 
what's that restaurant with a thousand things on their menu? Like, I don't want to go to those restaurants uh, yeah. where it's like, I, is this an Americana place? Is it an Asian food place? Yeah, and I've been to restaurants, they got like pizza and sushi on the menu, you know? <laughs> right. And that that's not what you want your website to offer. You want a very clear message with um, a very clear storyline uh, and that does not require a lot of cognitive load for me to understand what does this company do? How can it help me? And how can I get it? And actually, there's a test that we call the grunt test. <laughs> uh, this is from Don Miller from StoryBrand, you know, talks about this a lot, where if you get to someone's website and in three to five seconds, you can't answer those three questions. What does this company do? How can they help me? And how can I get it? Uh, what's going to happen is they're going to bounce. Um, because we're so used to instant gratification. If my app takes longer than a quarter of a second to open, when I touch the icon, I'm already frustrated, right? Like this is kind of the environment that we're living in where, right. what do you mean I have to wait three seconds for this thing to uh, communicate with the satellite and beam back to earth? I, I don't have time to wait for that. You know, so right. our expectations, our Walmart, right. our, our, this our messaging, Amazon. Right, you can't, you can't. You, you just can't without this messaging expertise. Yeah. Uh, the Amazon effect is sort of what that's called, right? Like I push a button and it shows up at my door a day or two later. Right. That's it. That, that's, that's the expectation that's being set. And so when somebody comes to your website, for them to be drawn into it or sees your ad or gets your email marketing campaign or whatever the messaging vehicle medium is, uh, it should be very, very clear in a very short period of time, almost instinctually, primally, I know what that is, I know how it can help me, and I know how to get it. So a lot of the work that you can do can move the needle a ton if you just clean up your story. Why should I care? Why should I listen? Because let's face it, we're overwhelmed with marketing messages. We're overwhelmed with all kinds of messages, political messages, uh, ideological messages, marketing messages. You need this product buy that service how do we cut through all of that noise why story brand is so interesting is um it's it's not actually new it's very very old it roots deeply into our psychology uh and story even before we were a written culture mm -hmm. uh, is written into our psyche uh before when when oral traditions were the predominant way in which communication happened. You know, you think of like, okay, the Gutenberg press in the 1500s. Prior to that, most people couldn't read and write. It was only the scholars, the theologians and things like that, the scientists. Um, and oral tradition going back millennia was really in storytelling. Storytelling is a sense making device. Mm -hmm. um, and so it, it's a narrative, right? And you can think of the competing narratives right now and narratives are compelling. Narratives make people do things that they wouldn't otherwise do. Like I have a belief about the world or about what's happening with uh, you know, cultural phenomenon or something like that. And I might, as a result, go do some crazy things or, or get off my butt and, and go do some things that I, thus far have been reluctant to do or wouldn't because now I'm tapped into a story. This is what, you know, we're coming up to election season. This is what politicians try to do too, is craft a narrative and put you in that narrative. And, uh, and so these ingredients of story are common. And, and here's basically what they are. 
um, and this is an oversimplified version of it, but every story has an act one and an act two and an act three, right? So act one is we meet this hero and we like the hero. Mm. The hero's got to do something. There's actually something in movies called the save the cat moment. They do something that <laughs> tells us this is a friend. It's a good guy. This is something, somebody we like. Yeah, this is somebody we like and we want them to win. And uh, I, I'm a big fan of the original kar Karate Kid movie. Um, and uh, so there's just, that, that just watched Cobra Kai. Okay. So uh, for people that have seen Cobra Kai, it's the back, back when uh, uh, original version of that. 1984. And that's right. And so Daniel uh, is a 15-year-old kid. He's still riding his BMX bike, so he can't drive. And we all remember the frustration of, of being 15 and not being able to drive, but still wanting <laughs> to hang out with friends. But he uh, moves with his mom to, uh, to the valley here in Southern California and is in a new, new school, you know, no friends. And he shows up at the beach uh, and he's kicking the soccer ball around with some people that he met at school. And he sees this girl, Allie, I think her name is in the movie. Uh, played the by girlfriend, yeah. Yeah, played by Elizabeth Shue. And, uh, and he, what, he wants her. Like they have a great connection and they start to hit it off. Great. And we see that Daniel, like, we kind of feel sorry for him. Like, oh, poor guy. He, you know, got transplanted from a different place. He's got no friends. Uh, but now we're excited for Daniel because, oh, he met a friend. And by the way, she's beautiful. And they've got this chemistry. And, uh, and then, uh-oh, something bad happens. So act two. Uh, Johnny. So there, saving the cat there is just meeting the nice girl at the beach that they have chemistry with. Well, it, it, saving the cat sometimes is like some he does something kind or he um, he handles a situation where um, he's rebuffed but handles it in a mature way. I mean, there's all different versions of saving mm -hmm. the cat, but more importantly is we identify with the hero, we mm -hmm. like him mm -hmm. or her, we want him to win. But then there's a but, but act two in comes johnny uh and johnny is a bully and is ali's uh sort of pseudo ex-boyfriend and it's over because as we find out in that scene he's violent and kind of a jerk uh and so now we have a conflict right we have a protagonist we have an antagonist just like in the same way that the karate kid or any movie you've ever seen uh entrepreneurs and and their customers are living in a story. They want something, okay? Maybe it's not a girlfriend or something like that, but they want meaning, they want significance, they want a feeling of, of, of transcendence, they want importance, but they can't get there. Something's in the way. In the Karate Kid, it was Johnny. Johnny's in the way, and um, Daniel LaRusso has to work through all kinds of, um, you know, angst of a teenager and his own self-confidence issues, and, and he meets Mr. Miyagi, and Mr. Miyagi's this guide that comes along and helps him get to a place here in his mind and here in his heart where he really believes one, that he is worth the girl mm -hmm. and two, that he can get her and that Johnny and his bullying is, is not an obstacle that he can overcome. He can overcome it. He has to transform. He has to become a different person. And that's really the task of products and services, right? We're trying <laughs> to get people from, here to there right, to be your to mr miyagi to show you you know to show you as the you the customer the client the hero of the story how to get from from the here to there 
That's right. Uh, one client I work with does a phenomenal job uh, treating people with neuropathy, which is a painful nerve condition, can cause loss of sensation in the hands and legs, and it affects people that have had chemotherapy, people that have nerve conditions like multiple sclerosis, um, mm, people yes. that have di diabetes, right? And so if you can't stand on your two feet and feel your two feet, you're, you can fall over. And, and now that your quality of life is diminished and it's very painful. The transformation they provide is not, oh, we're gonna salt, we're gonna fix your neuropathy problem. That's like the surface level. This, the, this, the problem they solve is you're a grandparent that can't go run around with your grandkids. Mm -hmm. There's a natural solution right. for you. Uh, and it's all the doctors have told you, you can't, you can't, you can't, you can't, you can't do it. Take this medication and just live with it. Um, they come along and they bring a solution that's healthy and holistic and it works. And they partner with you as the guide, as the Mr. Miyagi. So that at the end of the day, yeah, your neuropathy is solved, but you know what? Tim is playing, is walking 18 holes of golf and be get out of a cart and hit a ball. Literally, right. that's a real story for them. Wow. So they get things back. And so right. when crafting, and that's that third act, right? It's the resolution of the story. Right. It's, it's he gets able to pick up my grandkids again. That's right. And I'm vibrant and I'm healthy and I can go do the things I want to do. I can go fish. I can, I can uh, golf, whatever it is. Uh, it's helping the hero overcome their challenges to get the transformation they want. And so when we talk about marketing, that's really the positioning that helps people understand where you as a product or service provider fit into their story. They're not going to come along with you on your story. Mm -hmm. You've got to fit into their story mm -hmm. and story in a way uh, that they understand that. And so I derive a lot of satisfaction by helping people their stories so that that, that story arc is clear. Um, and most people that are, that, you know, are out there with the product or service are doing it to help people. It's, it's helping businesses move faster. It's helping businesses make smarter decisions. It's helping individuals um, feel differently about themselves or have capabilities they didn't have before. Right. That's a reason to wake up in the morning and do what you do because you're not just selling a product or service. You're giving people resources that they knew they had. They just needed that extra boost to get there. So for me, that's very rewarding work because I get to live vicariously through my clients who then get to help people um, in various scenarios. Right. No, it's, it's super helpful. It's super awesome to get like a deeper understanding of like what marketing is, what it should be, what it shouldn't be, or what's not as helpful, the whole story brand philosophy and, and, and the, uh, and, and who's the hero of the story, which is, you know, we're so often like Tony Robbins always says, you know, people fall in love with their own product or service rather than with the client. Um, and that's with product development too. I mean, not just the market, not just the messaging part, but it's just with everything they do customer service that's right. ops or service delivery, product manufacturer, et cetera. But, um, yeah. but that's, it's really helpful. Hopefully people understand better, uh, you know, the kind of tools that are available to them, uh, whether it's a fractional chief marketing officer, full-time chief marketing officer, both one after the other, you know, where marketing, where marketing consultants fit in, where marketing doers, uh, you know, uh, fit in, you know, just, you know, copywriters and, and, and social media managers, et cetera. Um, and, um, you know, website builders, et cetera. So it's, you know, super helpful and just really, really appreciate you coming on today. It's been my pleasure. Thank you for having me, Ben. Yeah, no, my pleasure. And we'll see everybody else on the other side. Thanks. 
You're listening to Win Win, an entrepreneurial community with your host, Ben Wolf.